0: The Coach's Roundtable is brought to you by Between the Lines. Between the Lines offers online training with current minor league affiliates from the comfort of your own home through online technology. With their coaching, watch your skills and money increase due to no longer needing to drive to get training. For more information, go to BetweenTheLines.pro. The Coach's Roundtable is also brought to you by Sequencer. Sequencer is a new product that uses simulation modeling to create a data-driven solution for lineup creation. Input your player stats, simulate thousands of different lineups with a couple clicks, and get feedback on which is most effective at scoring runs. Visit Sequencer for a free trial. That's S-E-Q-N-Z-R dot com. And feel free to shoot a note to at Sequencer on Twitter with any questions. They're also partnering with Driveline Baseball To add to their world-class product offering. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable podcast. I'm your host Joel Credo Um, coming into you in a quarantine situation where I have been for the last couple days. It's long, it's boring. Um, For anyone who's also in quarantine because of the coronavirus feel free to reach out to me or send me a DM to be a part of the Coaches group chat that we have, where we have a, about a weekly uh, roundtable discussions on all things baseball, philosophies, techniques how you would handle certain things, what's your favorite part of coaching. We're just a bunch of guys get together and they talk baseball, talk shop. And then another thing that we started recently is another group chat where we do MLB trivia on a pretty regular basis just to get something going because as baseball coaches, we're so used to being out and doing things and not getting home till late. And now all of a sudden, we ain't got nothing to do. So we're just looking for things to pass the time until we can get back on the ball field. But... Enough about me, and let's get into our coaches. Today, we've got three guys who are assistants who are going to break down all things assistants. Um, But enough from me, let's hear from these guys. We'll start with you first, Coach Adler. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now.
1: Sure. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm 27 years old. I'm currently an assistant baseball coach at Bridge Creek High School uh, just outside of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Uh, I started coaching. Uh, I tore my labrum, ended my playing career and uh immediately guys in coaching in college uh this is my eighth year coaching uh i also coach a travel ball team in oklahoma city uh swat academy 16u um that's hoping to kind of get our guys some exposure and uh, another way to keep us all busy during the summer thanks for having me on
0: and what about you coach whitlock where are you at now and how'd you get there
2: uh i am currently at washington parish high school in monroe louisiana Uh, i'm the pitching coach um and kind of just the guy that gets anything that needs to be done done. Uh, I started out uh, as a actually as a head coach at Bastrop High School in Morehouse uh, Parish. Uh, spent six years there, then went to West Monroe High School in West Monroe, Louisiana. Spent three years there, and then I took a job at Washedell uh, Parish.
0: And last but not least, how about you, Coach Etheridge? Where are you at now, and how did you get there?
3: Uh, so I started my coaching career in 2017 at Millsaps College. I was a, uh, fortunate to be a graduate assistant there with Coach Page. And then uh, from there, I actually wasn't too far from Coach Whitlock. My first two years uh, actually is in the high school realm. I was at Tallulah Academy, small private school um, right outside of Vicksburg. I was there for two years, 2018 and 2019. And then uh, right now I'm currently at Clinton High School. And uh, thanks for having us on, man.
0: Good stuff. I'm glad you guys have joined me. So let's move into the real questions and I'll start with you first, Coach Whitlock. As an assistant, you have a role. How would you explain what that role is to help benefit the program?
2: Well, going into uh, four-on-ones here in Louisiana, you know, we can have uh, four players uh, at any one time and, you know, uh, kind of it's in the fall and we get to do things with them and kind of get them prepped for the season. And, uh, right before that, we have a, a coaches meeting and, uh, you know, it's got a list of roles and everything like that. And I had about 13 or 14, uh, things that I'd be, um, responsible for. And the, the biggest thing for me is anything that was on that sheet that I needed to be the best at it. Um, I did not need to have to ask the head coach, you know, every five seconds on, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, just, you know, kind of take ownership of those roles and and do everything I could, um, to, uh, kind of glorify, you know, him and glorify the program. Um, you know, uh, actively learning as I go, you know, what I'm doing right now isn't going to be close to what I'm doing in five years. If I'm in the same role, uh, and just always seeking, uh other guys advice you know a better way to do things and, and and basically i want to be able to work with my pitchers and um and not not have to have the head coach come over and say you know what do you think about you know what are you doing here what are you doing here and 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 having him having to worry about it you know if he sticks me with a group of guys and uh he should know that you know i'm gonna i'm gonna coach him up and i'm gonna do everything that i can to make them the best on the field uh to help the program to glorify him and to glorify the program.
0: And what about you, Coach Etheridge? What do you see your role as an assistant
3: as? And we're real fortunate here at at Clinton High School. We have a really great staff. There's four of us. Um, I'm actually right now. I'm the infield coach, and so uh, you know we have infield pitching coach, outfield coach. Hop does all the the catchers, and so you know my role there is is just. Uh, coach Hop is real uh, real good about letting us be ourselves in that individual d group and so you know my first I feel like my first role uh, is just mastering that infield bouncing new ideas off coach hop letting them know you know hey this might be what we want to do today or uh, this might be some stuff that I see that we need to work on or you know reviewing game film and seeing hey you know this guy needs to work on this this guy needs to work on that uh, different different ground balls things like that you know Um, so Mastering that infield specialty there, and then uh, you know, going back to kind of what Coach Whitlock said, just supporting that head coach and showing him, showing him the loyalty there that um, you know that he has that support that uh, and the and the support and just the uh, being able to show up every day and not having to worry about you know me maybe not doing my job with my infielders and not getting them ready. Um, so supporting him and making sure we show up every day with a you know a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, um, and just really trying to teach those guys and grow our players to get them ready for the next level, for um, you know what is to come during the season and stuff like that.
0: And what about you, Coach Adler? How would you describe your role in your program?
1: Yeah, Coach. I mean, I think both guys. Uh, Described it perfectly. A lot of the same way as that I would. Uh, be, being a supportive assistant, making sure that your head coach's vision is seen by your players, and that when you carry yourself, that they see your head coach's vision through you. Um, the other thing that both of them said, you know, is being the head coach of your position. I work primarily uh, with our high school team with our outfielders. Um, So when our coach who was a professional outfielder played independent ball there, you know, turns the outfield over to me. um, I just want to make sure that he knows how he can focus on the things he needs to. Um, When those outfielders come with me, when we're doing drill work, when we're doing fungo, and we're working on the types of things that we need to, um, we can, that his assistants can treat that as being the head coach of their position. That was something that I learned uh, a couple of years ago when I was coaching down uh, in Texas was just being the head coach of your own position. And I think, the other big thing to add uh, for me is to just continue to be that buffer between the head coach and players. You know, a lot of times I think head coaches find themselves in tough spots with players. And uh, as an assistant, you know, I take pride in being able to build relationships with my players, um, seeing them. I teach at the middle school and the high school a little bit. He's over at the elementary, so I can be that buffer kind of between all of his players to kind of know what's going on, know what's going on in their life and be able to communicate that with him um, just so that nothing catches him off guard. Um, because again sometimes you know we as assistants get a lot of uh, a lot closer to players sometimes uh, just because of the role that we're able to spend time with our guys a little bit more so just kind of being that buffer but again support and being the head coach of your positions uh, the bit the big things I take in
0: all right next question and this is kind of a new question I haven't asked before so I'm interested on in what you guys have to say if you were hiring a coach to be on your staff, or even the staff you're on now, like you're interviewing someone and you get to have your input in the interview. What qualities would you look for in the coach that you're hiring? And I'll ask that to you first, Coach Etheridge.
3: Gotcha, man. That's a that's a great question. Um, I think when when you're looking at a coach um, that you were to hire, I think one of the first things that should come up or that you should look for is you know, is the passion there for for the for the game of baseball. You know, do they enjoy the grind of summer workouts, of being there, uh, you know, during the fall and working on those individual groups or, you know, in spending time in the cages? Is the passion there? Are they going to gonna bring that energy to show that passion for the game? And then uh, uh, another quality I think that's great in a coach is, uh, an assistant coach for, uh, in that matter, is just are they eager to learn? You know, are they eager to, to show up every day and, and listen to, listening to another coach bounce ideas off of them or... Uh, You know, when, you know, when my head coach bounces an idea off me or, hey, maybe you should try this today. Like, am I eager to learn that? Am I eager to accept that and, you know, maybe try something a little different? Um, And then, obviously, I think the the next or maybe even the most important quality uh, is loyalty there in a coach. I mean, you know, as a head coach, I feel like if, you know, I, I want my assistant coaches to have my back. You know, if I make a decision in game, I don't want them to question me behind my back, you know. A, he didn't do the right decision right here or, you know, things like that. I, I really think loyalty is a really important aspect uh, as well.
0: And what do you think, Coach Adler? What would you look for in that interview?
1: Well, I totally agree with Coach Etheridge. Uh, the first thing I wrote down was the willingness to learn. Um, we've got to be lifelong learners in this game. Um And we're equipped with the tools that a lot of guys early on in their careers, uh, some of the guys I've had the opportunity to work with, talk about all the time that they wish they could have had uh, when they were assistants and when they were building their philosophy. So uh, definitely somebody that's willing to learn, willing to take in things like ABCA, willing to go to clinics, willing to go and do and listen to podcasts just like this, you know, um, to be able to listen to other guys and what they do and how they have success. Um, You know, the second thing is being goal oriented. I think we live in a world where there's very few guys that when you hire an assistant want to be an assistant for the rest of their life. And I think when they take a job, they've got to have goals for themselves. They've got to, And they will develop goals uh, for the team as they get to know the team and as they get to know their head coach to be on board with those goals. So somebody that is goal oriented is really important because at the end of the day, the best reflection of a head coach is that when your assistants have the opportunity to move on and reach their goals. And if that is something that a guy has, then as a head coach, that's something that I'd want to be able to facilitate is how can I help you reach the goals that you have for yourself while you're a coach in this program? Um, so those would be the two main things I would look for.
0: And what about you coach Whitlock? What would you look for? Uh,
2: you know, really the first thing I I would look for is accountability uh, and loyalty. Uh, you know, being accountable for, you know, what your job is and what your roles are, and and, and being able to get those done in a timely manner uh, with energy, uh, a great attitude. I want them to be, I would want them to be a, a kind of a mirror of what my program actually, um, you know, meant. Um, you know, they need, to, just like I would, uh, they need to uh, to be, Loyal to the program, they need to be loyal to me as a head coach, uh, but they need to be loyal to the players. Um, they need to know that the players need to know that uh, those assistant coaches aren't just there for a paycheck, and, and they're there for them, um, and, they're, and they're there for the program, and and they would do whatever it took. You know, whether it be extra ground balls, or extra fly balls, or extra PP after, uh, you know, after practice, or field maintenance, or just you know holding the guys accountable in the classroom. Um, You know, but, uh, you know, something that that when I was a head coach, I I always looked for was just maybe not a passion just for baseball, but just a passion to be around, you know, young people, Uh, because I think as as an assistant coach, sometimes it it gets uh, it gets hard to to find your why Um, because, uh, you know, depending on your situation, sometimes you're not always in a position to, you know, air everything that you want to air as far as your ideas and things like that, um, you know, and so it, it can get a little, you know, mundane sometimes. So, so why? what is your why? Why are you there every day? And, and giving the energy you are to the players to the to the other coaches to the to the organization or the, the program. Uh, and the, the final thing is, uh, you know, as, as an assist as a head coach, I, I don't want yes, men. Um, now, we can respectfully disagree on stuff. But at the same time, I don't want head or assistant coaches that just don't try to push the envelope sometimes as far as what we do or why we're doing it. Uh, you know, head coaches can be wrong too, you know. Uh, so if they see something that I'm doing that, that they would do something different or um, if, if they have another avenue to uh, accomplish the same goal, you know, I'd want to hear it. Uh, and I, I wouldn't want assistant coaches that were afraid to say something to me just because of my, you know, position uh, and in their position, uh, uh, you know, because I do that with our head coach all the time. Uh, respectfully, I try to say, "Well, what, what? You know, this guy's having trouble with this. Why don't we try this? Or, you know, instead of this part of practice, you know, what can we structure it like this so I can get some work with the pitchers uh, that uh, that is <laughs> direly needed uh, uh, before our next uh, series?" And, and, and what, you know, kind of come up with a plan to to best suit everybody because the head coach has got so many responsibilities. Sometimes as an assistant coach, you can, you can think, think of some more things um, that that you may need or, or the players may need that uh, the head coach never uh, gets to think about.
0: All right. Next question. And I'll ask this to you first coach Adler. What do you think separates the good from the great coaches?
1: Um, that's, uh, you're, you're really hitting us with the good questions today. Um, but I really think the, uh, the biggest thing that separates them is guys that can have a great life balance. You know, coach Whitlock was just kind of talking about that, um, about what you look for in assistant coaches. And I think when you look at great coaches, you know, sometimes you really, uh, get involved heavily with what they can do on the field. Um. But being able to have that balance outside of what you do on the field, I think really does help make you a great coach. Uh, Being able to balance that, being able to balance a family, your kids, um, both your kids on your team and your kids at home. Um, Great coaches are able to balance that. Um, You know, the the second thing that I really think makes a great coach is uh, somebody that can be where their feet are. And again, that relates a lot back to being able to have that life balance. Um, But when when you're in the classroom, You know, you're a teacher when you're on the baseball field, you're a coach. And when you're at home, you're a husband, a dad, a son, whatever that may be. Um, I think being able to have those kind of balances that go beyond the game, beyond the knowledge of the game, um, really make good coaches great because they understand how lucky we are to be able to have the opportunity to do what we do every day. But also they're able to when they step away they're able to leave it there and they're able to continue on with the life with their life and where they are in that moment.
0: What do you think coach Whitlock? What do you think separates the good from the great coaches?
2: If I'm able to be the same coach, uh, on the first day of practice, that I am on the last day of practice for, uh, for a season, I think that goes a long way. Um, I, I believe that uh, you know, in this profession, there's a lot of of, of great coaches um, that that, for whatever reason, sometimes just just like players, just like anybody in any profession, fall into lulls, and it's hard like to find your why. Like I've said before, so somebody that can that's accountable every day, that doesn't deflect blame or doesn't deflect responsibility um somebody that uh you know that that really exemplifies what, what your you know core beliefs are in the program and and uh and your yourself you know and having a growth mindset in that and just somebody that you know i i i pride myself in every day coming to work and and just you know doing my job uh, to the fullest of my abilities and you know not letting the oh, well, we'll get that tomorrow or, uh, yeah, that well, that can wait. Uh, you know, well, that's not going to get the kids any better, uh, the players any better, or myself as a, as a coach. You know, I've got to try to find as many ways to make our program the best it can be uh, every day and, you know, just not taking days off um, from what my job description was at the beginning before four-on-ones. Um, you know, having a uh, – maybe not a – an outward passion, but every day, cause that's, that's extremely hard to do. Uh, but, but being oriented in the way that there's a certain amount of work that needs to be done every day and you know, whatever it takes to get that done is, is what, you know, I'll do today and what, you know, we'll do today and, and motivating others to be that way, uh, is, is, is kind of a, a trait for me as far as being a great coach, instead of a, just a good coach.
0: What do you think, Coach Etheridge? What do you think separates the good from the great coaches?
3: Man, I'm going to start with a word that I wrote down that Coach Whitlock hit on there, uh, and that's consistency. Um, You know, a great coach will be consistent. Like he said, like Coach Whitlock said, on day one, they show up, they're going to have those same goals um, that throughout the year that will stay the same. And, you know, some of those goals could become different for some players, but uh, when a coach is consistently showing up to practice with the with the you know positive attitude, with the eagerness to learn, with an eagerness to try to get those kids to become um, you know to become even better, uh, that's the first word that I wrote down for, from that question. Um, and then I think I think another uh, quality that you'd see a lot from a great coach is you know good and great coaches. I think we can all agree on that. Most of them, good and great, know the game of baseball. But I think that great coach um, finds ways to, um, you know, discipline kids, but still, those kids still know that they have, uh, the coach still has their best interest at heart. And I, I firmly believe that when a kid knows that coach will do anything for, you know, will do anything for that player, that player will run through that wall for that coach. And I know we can all, uh, you know, there's all year, there's years that we have played that you can look back on certain players, certain teams that, you know, maybe might not have had much talent. But that coach, um, you know, that coach maybe brought brought that team together and, um, you know, playing for each other. And then when those players will start playing for that coach, um, that's that's where I see great coaches, um, you know, in, in, in my career. They can kind of steer the ship, so to speak. And, you know, those players know he's in command, but that coach will also exhibit that he has his, his players' best interests at heart.
0: I'll ask this question to you first, Coach Whitlock. If you've ever been a part of a team that struggled or hasn't gone maybe the direction that they've wanted to, how would you deal with this as the coach? How would you deal with a team that's going through adversity or a storm during the season?
2: Well, first, you know, you, I, I think you got to know your your players. Uh, I think you have to know the the locker room climate. Um, you know, I think it's each individual. Uh, you know, scenario is different. I, I think, you know, with the, the chemistry in the locker room or the chemistry between player, coach, uh, you know, what kind of hardships or what kind of adversity it might be. Uh, if it's on the field stuff, I, th- I think, you know, you just, you put your head down and you go to work. I, I, I think that's the best remedy for that. But if it, if it's off the field stuff or locker room stuff or just, you know, team chemistry, I think you got to uh, have some hard conversations. I think you've got to, uh, first, I think you got to talk to, uh, your assistance. And I think you got to, you know, pick their brain and tell them to be honest with you and say, look, you know, this is where I think we're, we're really struggling. What, what do we do? You know, what, what are your, uh, what are your takeaways or what are, what are your suggestions? And, you know, take those into account and then, you know, be able to, to trust the players that, that you need to trust and, and have some of them in uh, to your, to your office and say, look, I get it. You know, I, I get we're having troubles here, here, here. Uh, you know what what do y'all see as the problem uh, or, or you know more more importantly what do you see as the solution uh, and, and take all those into uh, into account and, and and know that not everybody is going to get you know kind of the solution they want as far as uh, you know the more the more you ask uh, your players and your coaches um, the more opinions you're going to get but you know what's best for the team and what's best to get them out of that lull or Uh, Out of that adversity and you know and and staying true to what you're trying to do as a program and um, You know uh, as you know as far as building young men and and, and building other coaches because one thing I forgot to to add to um, To one of the previous questions is you know my job as a a head coach would be to to grow my assistance to where they could if if I was out for any length of time to where if say I had the flu uh, you know, they could run the program just as well as I could, uh, or probably even better. So, uh, you know, how do we grow from this and not just try to, you know, get out of that, that hole we're in, but come out better on the other side and really have some hard conversations with people and, and say that, you know, you might be wanting this, but this is what we need right now. Um, this is what we need to do, uh, for the future, for the, for the longevity of it, uh, for the success of the program and, you know, and for six, the success of, Uh, the individuals within that program. So you might have to check some egos. You might have to hurt some feelings, but at the same time, you know, whatever's presently happening uh, apparently is not working. Uh, So, and it might even be me, you know, it might even be how I'm talking to people or how I'm, um, you know, uh, going about situations. So I would, uh, before I even ask that, I would have to have a a difficult conversation with myself and say, look, what are you doing that might be, hindering this program, or might be, um, you know, uh, adding hardship or adding, adding difficulty to where, you know, what can you do to, to fix that before anything else needs to be said? Because if, if I can do that, then, then you know, I, I think it remedies itself.
0: What do you think, Coach Etheridge? What would you do in that scenario? Uh,
3: there's so many different scenarios. You could have a team that is struggling. Um, just to piggyback off Coach Woodlock here for a second, you know, if there's a chemistry issue, you're going to have to, you know, have some of those, have some of those talks with your players, with maybe captains if you, you know, if you have captains on your team, and and figure out, you know, what issues could be arising, you know, during practice or or, or any type of team chemistry issues that could be going on, and figure out, well, you know, like he said, maybe we as coaches might have to make an adjustment to, you know, how we address certain practices or how, uh, we go about, you know, verbalizing, um, you know, different things like that. But then, you know, you could also think about a struggling team that just gets in a little funk. They lose a few close ball games. And, um, you know, if you go in there and maybe looking at, you know, trying to help that team that just keeps losing these one run ball games, two run ball games, you know, maybe you look at, you know, little things like execution wise, you know, um, maybe, you know, have practices, you know, on dirtball reads or, you know, just being aggressive on the base pass or executing bunts, uh, hitting runs, things, little little things like that that, you know, we might work on, you know, most weeks, you know, during practice, but, you know, maybe we have a few practices in a row where we just focus on those uh, little bitty uh, things that happens in games that maybe could be costing us a run, you know, like PFPs or, you know, first and third defenses, things like that. Um, you know maybe that helps maybe that helps us you know not allow that other team to score the extra run or maybe we can manufacture a few more runs by causing chaos you know when we're on offense and then i think another important aspect of a struggling team that i know uh, as a coach we've had we've gone through it before is maybe you have a young team maybe you have a young team that's just um, not quite as experienced that uh, you know, playing some of these, you know, older teams in 6A ball that we play in Mississippi, there's some teams that are going to have some dudes out there. And, you know, you, you might face them with a young team. Well, maybe with that young team, what they need is just reps, 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 reps. Just day in, day out. Try to get as many ground balls or as much individual work as you can or as many swings in the cages that we can get. And um, and then really just, you know, coach those players to, to not be afraid to fail, especially these young players. Uh, you know a lot of times you know we see young players and they might be a little timid or um you know maybe a little nervous uh things like that and if we can coach that out of them and you know get them to where they're not afraid to fail uh, that's a that's a really important um, aspect there and then and then also just coaching a young team how you want them to play just we want them to play aggressive let's coach that way and uh those are there are so many different factors that could uh that you can work with the struggling team and i think it just depends on the situation that you walk in
1: um, and, and how you would work with them
0: and what about you coach Adler? how would you deal with that scenario
1: yeah i mean i think the first thing is uh just like both coach Etheridge and coach whitlock said is uh lead on your assistants first and foremost and set goals with them um your assistants as an assistant you know we have a different view of everything especially when we're focusing specifically on the guys that we coach and we're watching our guys in game and we're taking notes as we go or whatever that angle may be to help us be the best assisted, put our team in a great position. But when you're struggling, I think your coaching staff has to come together. Your coaching staff has to talk and then your coaching staff has to set goals that you guys have for your kids. And then I think that the second thing you got to do is talk to your kids. You got to, just like coach Whitlock was saying back in you got to find out what their why is. Why are they doing this? Because at the end of the day, the score, if it's an on-field issue and it's wins and losses, the score will take care of itself eventually. And the biggest thing you can do with your kids is have them figure out their why, have them figure out where they feel like they're struggling and how they feel like they can help get better. What are things that they think that we can do? Because we as grown men and as coaches can sit in a room and look at it from all different angles and see things that we can do and that may be great. But at the end of the day, it's these—it's it, our players' team, and we can't go out there and do it for them anymore. So we have to be able to communicate with our kids and say, okay, guys, here's what we think. What do you guys think? It's got to be a two-way street if that, if we want to get out of a struggling situation. Um, I think the next thing is putting players in a position to succeed, uh, just like both of them talked about earlier. You know, Whether that's drill work, whether that's reps, depending on what your team needs, it's putting them in a position to succeed. If it's really something that's an on-field issue, then, putting them in a position of drills where they can see success over and over and over again. And then you can introduce things in a small dose so that they can start to see things uh, from a successful standpoint with the new things. And then with the things they struggle with, as you put them in those practice situations, they can see success and that they can also experience failure as well and know, Hey, it's okay. And that's all right. Um, and the last thing, you know, that's really important is in, in my mind is to celebrate all the victories that you have. It may not be the final score, you may have when you're talking with your assistant coaches, it may be goals that you guys set for the team and you gotta celebrate those victories. You celebrate the quality at bats that you know it may have been a strikeout, but it may have he may have seen eight, nine, ten pitches. That's a victory. Your kid's fighting, he's in the box, he's down, and you know, a quality at bat like that, the kid really battled. And sometimes I think we as coaches gotta see that. And we don't celebrate those victories. We see it as a strikeout, but we didn't see it in the process all the way through that it took for that kid to get there. So I think when you're struggling, you have to be able to celebrate all of the little victories, even if the score doesn't reflect the big victory at the end of the day and you add a a one in that loss column, you're celebrating the little victories within the game so the kids can experience, hey, it's okay. I did do something right, even though it didn't work out for the team. Are we making progress? And when you're struggling, progress and good progress is something that kids really need. And when they look at coaches and they respect coaches and they want to play for you, if we, if we lose sight of those little victories, especially in times when we're not winning games, the kids will kind of turn away from us. So I think celebrating the little victories when you're struggling will go a long way.
0: All right, now more of a what-do-you-think, either-or question Come, about team chemistry. Do you think that team chemistry promotes success, or do you think that success translates into team chemistry? And I'll ask that to you first, Coach Etheridge. What comes first, the success or the team chemistry?
3: Man, that's a that's a good question. Um, just just from being a part of uh, Clinton for this year, um, or be, you know, this being my first year here. I think our team chemistry started the first day I was there and it started in the weight room, you know, in the summer we have morning workouts and they're tough. I mean, we're, we're there Monday through Friday, just getting after it. And you see, you see guys start to grow together, um, on those days where, you know, we might have a max and you have all those guys just standing around them, just, just, you know, trying to, trying to get them to get that last rep and, um, I think that's where our, that's where our team chemistry started. And, uh, and when you look at that team chemistry, you know, when when your teammates start to embrace each other and when they want that guy right next to them to, to be as successful as them, that's, that's a trait of a successful team. I mean, when you have those guys on the bench that are, you know, wanting that guy to get that big base hit or, you know, say, say you have a guy, you know, maybe get subbed out you know, late in the game and guy comes in and, the you know, gets a big base hit and everyone goes crazy. I mean, that's team chemistry. And I, I I firmly believe that when you have those guys playing for each other, that is going to lead to success. And then, you know, like I mentioned earlier and a and, and, uh, little bit, I think we could all go back to a certain time during our career that we have talked about a team that just – came together and just did something really incredible. And for me, that just, you know, I go back to, you know, one of my teams in college that I played for in 2013 at Millsaps. It was just that team that, you know, we had this little thing to where, you know, we call out the number um, of hit by pitches that we had, you know, we'd get hit and we'd yell out the number that it was, or, you know, we embrace that or we embrace, you know, having each other's backs and, and, and that led to us going to a college world series. Well, maybe we weren't as talented as some of the other teams there, but we came together and we won a lot of ball games. And, um, and so I, I do think Tim team, team chemistry, uh, a team being able to come together and, and play for that name on the front of their Jersey, rather than the front on their back, you know, rather than the name on their back, that's going to lead to success. Um, and then, you know, it kind of goes in both hands too, because, you start having that success, um, you know, you come together, you have success, you get some wins, you string some wins in a row. And, you know, now people show up to the ballpark a little more loose. They're ready to be there. All of them All of them are present in that game. And, you know, you start seeing players just play a little more loose. They play for each other more. And, and that leads to more team chemistry as well. So uh, that's a great question. And uh, that's, that's some good stuff.
0: What do you think happens first, Coach Adler? Team chemistry or team success?
1: Yeah, uh, much like Coach Etheridge, I think chemistry promotes success um, 100%. I think, and I think if you had asked me that a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have really been able to pick a side. Um, but yeah, at ABCA a couple of years ago, uh, Coach Murphy was on a panel from Alabama and he talked about Mudita. And uh, that was something that really resonated with me and kind of helped form my answer. And, uh, I think we've all heard it, but you know, Moudita talks about uh, the pleasure that comes from delighting in other people's well-being. And I think you can be successful without team chemistry, but it's it, it's not the same kind of success. It may result in wins on the field, but we all know that at the end of the day, baseball ends for everybody at some point. And that the real success is how successful are our kids both on and off the field. I think you have to have chemistry before you can have success. And when kids when kids are struggling, it's oftentimes due to that selfish mindset. Some of those worst pains are when you lose a game and a kid walks off the field happy because he went four for four and he had a great game, but the team lost. And I think those are a lot of situations where you can end up with struggling teams. And I think being able to build chemistry in the weight room, being able to build chemistry, hanging out with each other, and when you look forward to seeing your teammates, it makes playing with your teammates and playing the game and having that common goal so much easier than if you're walking up and down the hallways every day and you know you see a teammate and you just don't want to talk to them. And it's something that we try to talk to our kids about all the time. It's You don't have to be best friends off the field, but you've got to understand that you're playing this game for each other. You need that guy on your left and on your right or right ahead of you in the lineup to, or right behind you if you just hit a double to be able to drive you in. And if you don't have that relationship and that trust and that confidence in your teammates to get things done, then success is going to be a lot harder to come by. So I think chemistry really has to come first.
0: And what do you think, Coach
2: Whitlock? Which happens first? Well, if you'd asked me that question 10 minutes ago, uh, I had a totally different answer uh, after listening to – (laughs) <laughs> these two coaches talk about it. They, uh, I don't know what is is left to be said. Um, they, they did a, a, a great job, uh, addressing the, <laughs> the question. Um, I, I think it's, it, there's a fine line. I think, you know, they, they, they hit on it in a different way, but, um, than, than I might, but first you have to define success. Um, what's, and what, uh, kind of importance you put on it. Uh, it, do you, as a head coach or as an assistant coach or as a staff, um, and as a program only worry about the wins and losses. You worry about, uh, you know, growing young men and seeing what happens after that, uh, and what, you know, comes from, uh, those off the field things. Uh, but I, I believe you have to have success in some way before you can have chemistry. I, I think everybody and success might be a meaningful relationship. Um, uh, so uh, success might be what they were talking or referring to before, as far as uh, the four-on-ones or the weight room. You know, those successes create buy-in, uh, and, and when when you when you get the players and the other coaches to buy-in to whatever tenets or whatever, uh, you know, whatever your your core beliefs are uh, as a program, I think that's where chemistry is. Uh, built and where success is built at the same time, so I, I I don't think it's a chicken or the egg thing. I think it's, I think it's got to be hand in hand. I think, you know, any success needs to be celebrated, uh, whether it be you know for one of my pitchers in the bullpen when, when uh, you know I, like for instance uh, before we were, uh, quarantined, uh, one of my pitchers, one of my lefties, he uh, I was able to show him how to throw one of his uh, his breaking ball at a left-handed batter's hip and let it come back over into the strike zone and, and how to trust it, you know, how to trust his break and how to trust that, you know, that, uh, that delivery and replicate it all that. And, you know, and the smile on his face after he did it a couple of times, he says, I feel it. I get it. I got it. You know, now can it, can it, you know, uh, go out to the mound? I, I'm not sure yet. Cause <laughs> we haven't been able to get back on the field, but, uh, but, but those things like that, uh, you know, things that, uh, aren't always seen on the field, uh, that hard work and that, that perseverance and, and that growth mindset, that those are successes in their own right. And, uh, I think that leads to chemistry between players and coaches and, uh, players with other players, because now those other players see that and they feed off of that and say, how can I get better? What can I do to, to up my game? So, uh, I think, I think it's, a. It's not, like I said, it's not like a chicken or the egg thing. It's a, you know, which comes first. I think it's, they've got to happen simultaneously. Um, because through success, you know, you, you build a, a camaraderie. Um, because I've seen really good teams, as far as uh, ability wise, you know, go through yeah, terrible seasons as far as on the field success. Um, you know, just because the, the they weren't bought into, uh, the team concept and and, and and what the program really wanted uh, it to be uh, or, or what, you know, not everybody's role were, roles were defined or uh, things like that. So um, I, th- I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's got to come in, you know, it's hand-in-hand. It's, hand it's simultaneous.
0: Good stuff, guys, really good stuff. Here's my next question. Let Put yourself in the shoes of a head coach. What is something in particular that you would implement or do in your program? And I'll ask that to you first, Coach Adler.
1: Yeah, um, I've had one year as a high school head coach. Uh, This is going on my second year as a junior high head coach. And I think that the two biggest things that we really work hard to do as a staff, uh, the first one is create opportunities for our kids to spend time together. Uh, We were able to take our kids uh, a few weeks ago before all of this craziness went down uh, we were able to take our kids out to a uh, University of Oklahoma baseball game it was a midweek game it really didn't matter who they played um, but the kids were just so excited and the kids got to spend time together the kids got to watch baseball they got to talk and as a coach you just got to watch uh, you got to watch kids make new friends watch relationships continue to develop and I think uh, we't we didn't lose a game over the next four or five games since that time. And I think a little bit of that was kind of backtracking to the last question was because we were able to build a little bit of team chemistry. And I think, um, again, just like Coach Whitlock was saying, where do you put your success? Well, one of the areas that I know we put success in is kids being able to build relationships and that when kids leave our program, kids are ready to contribute to the real world and kids can take life skills that the game of baseball taught them and apply them throughout their life. Um, So being able to have our kids build relationships with each other and spend time off the field and outside of school with each other is something that's really important. And then the last thing um, is create a theme, create a theme for your team. And uh, when I was a head high school coach a few years ago, that was something that we were able to do. Um, we used a piece of scripture um, to be able to do that. Iron sharpens iron, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, And that was something that we just really leaned on. Anytime times got tough when we were struggling, that was something that Uh, our kids are able to lead on it was something they took pride on um, and uh, took pride in and I think those are just two simple things that um, easier said than done for sure but they're things as head coaches that um, I think down the line uh, whenever I do become a head coach again if I'm lucky enough to have that opportunity um, that I would really try to implement my kids.
0: What do you think, coach Whitlock? What is something that you would do or implement whenever you get that time to be a head coach again?
2: Oh, uh, that's a tough question um you know i if that situation arises again um uh, i I would have to make sure i slow down you know and and see the big picture not not only for that day uh you know within the season or, or you know a, a game day or, or just a weight room day pre- pre-season or summer team uh you know when we're input playing in the summer or whatever but just slow down and assess um where we are where we need to get better and and really figure out are we on the path that we need to be on you know that that we set out to be um you know are we on are we on par with that um, or, or are we getting away from that? So, and, and really uh, assess myself, um, you know, am I being the example that I've set out to be? Um, am I the person uh, and, and the example that these young men need uh, on a daily basis? Am I there for them, you know, as well as my family? I have an eight year old daughter who uh, is, uh, competes in competition cheer. And, you know, the, the first couple of weekends Right after our baseball games, we, I, you know, I would get in the truck, and uh, their her competitions were in Dallas and, 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 and Baton Rouge, and and I would, you know, be there for her second day of competition. So, uh, you know, just whatever I would do for my own daughter, do for, uh, you know, the, my players, uh, and and make it known to where they know that uh, those players know that anything, anytime they need me, um, you know, just like my family. Uh, that, that I'm there for them and, and that I would do anything for them um, regardless if they're the, the the ace pitcher or you know somebody that comes out of the bullpen or a freshman or, or a JV guy um, you know if they have any questions you know don't don't feel like any question that your player has is too small um, you know uh, teach it uh, teach everything like they've never heard it before uh, that would be a b- big thing for me uh, you know, I heard that advice about four or five years ago and it kind of resonated with me. You know, uh, act like they've never heard any of what you're talking about before. So there's no, there's no gray area, there's, there's no miscommunications. So try to teach things as, as thoroughly as you can, um, you know, and, and the need to, you know, like I said, just to slow down and, 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 and figure out where you are uh, as a team, as, a, as an individual, as a coach. Uh, and, you know, as the players uh, and have um, conversations on a daily basis and, and kind of try to assess that.
0: And what do you think, Coach Etheridge? What would something you would do or implement when you get the chance to become a head coach?
3: <clears throat> Man, that was a Coach Adler and Coach Whitlock hit the nail on the head there. And the first thing that I made a note on when I was, you know, debating on how to answer this question was start from scratch. And I think that's what, uh, coach Whitlock was, was talking about there. Just slow down. And, uh, I was fortunate to, um, uh, you know, my first two years in high school, I was at a small private school. I was the head coach there, um, small little, uh, academy school, um, in Tallulah. And, you know, looking back on it, when, when, when you first go in there, you want to implement this, this goal or, um, you know this theme, like Coach Adler said, and then you implement that theme, or you say it, and then you 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 somewhat get away from it after a week or two. You know, are you know, you might you might say you want to implement this 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 is how we're going to do it, this is how we're going to run our offense, and then you run into a little snaggle, you know, in that first game, and then it's you're completely you completely get away from it. And, um, you know, looking back, I wish I would have more so of just slowed down and, and really, you know, taught the X's and O's and, so we could implement that offense that we wanted to run or we could implement uh, what we wanted to do in the weight room, things like that. And then um, I think another thing that I would extremely love to do, um, you see a lot of these, these guys do it, is is have some type of classroom setting um uh for for our kids whether that be uh, before practice you know we might want to you know just teach them the game of baseball like start from scratch like piggybacked on the last one that i was saying um we and you know here at uh, clinton uh, we've had some good ideas about how to try to get that classroom setting i know our head coach is potentially you know at clinton we have a, a block schedule and we're potentially trying to see if we could get our baseball kids in a home room for 30 minutes a day to to talk about certain you know X's and O's, or talk about something that we've seen that we would like to try to implement, or or, or stuff like that, um, I think that would be you know a really valuable tool uh, in teaching the game. And and so piggybacking off that first one I said, I think a classroom study could help with those X's and O's to help you know teach your kids those uh, you know what you what you want to implement. And again, just sticking with the theme that you might want to make for that team, and and just and just rolling with it. And uh, I think those two would be um, two ideas that I would really like to implement if I am, you know, fortunate enough to get another head coaching job somewhere down the line.
0: All right. And here's my last question for you guys. And I'll start with you first, Coach Whitlock. What is something as an assistant right now that you've seen or had a head coach do for you that has helped develop and enrich you as a coach?
2: Uh Hmm. let's see Uh, our our head coach does a great job and let me go back to the the previous question i'm sorry i forgot to say something that i'd really like to say um is the mental game you know teaching the mental part of it and, and and really allowing visualization to take place uh and and that's what i meant when i said slow down uh as far as the players uh you know make sure that they understand everything but but, but getting them, putting them in, in, in situation to succeed, uh, with, with, with no, uh, external stimulus. Uh, and, and, and then now, you know, now I know they understand it and they can do it. And then let's, let's try to replicate it on the field. But, um, one thing our, our head coach, uh, Josh Morrison does is he allows us to take ownership. Um, and that's been a huge thing for me. Um, you know he doesn't second guess me. He he, he, he understands that that uh, that I'm doing the best uh, job I can do um, with whatever he gives me, and uh, and and he needs to know that that he needs to see that I'm doing that. Uh, he needs to know that 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 I'm grinding uh, as far as you know different ways to get our pitchers better or you know uh, you know how we call pitches, how we do this, how we our pick game. Um, you know just small improvements here and there every day, but but really showing, uh, he's really shown me the respect, uh, that to, to allow me to, to grow, um, uh, in, in what I do. Uh, we have a, a thing at the at Washten it's called the pitcher's lab. Uh, and we have a, a covered batten cage, but, uh, you know, we just got new nets last year and, and it's, it's pretty much, uh, you know, a partition deal where we have two long cages and five short cages and, uh, and we'll, take every one of those uh those nets and we'll pull them back and we have about a five or six station deal uh and all the pitchers you know have a rotation and, and there's a, a a goal uh an objective to every one of them and, and there's a list of things to do and you know he's he's actually uh allowed me to to purchase some uh king of the hills uh which is a great tool uh also Corvilla belts um along with you know weighted balls and things like that and He's really allowed me to expand in my knowledge of that and you know application based stuff that okay well this doesn 't work for these guys this does the work for these guys let's continue this let 's continue that let's uh, I, I can piggyback off of this and and we can do this and and really expand on it and and just kind of growing the players through my own growth um, you know and, and that 's really what he 's done he's, he's allowed me to speak my mind on certain things if you know he allows me to uh, he asks me all the time you know what do you think about this you know he allows me to um, uh, just give my input, you know, about who pitches, uh, on which, on which days now he makes the final decisions, uh, and, and I respect those, but, uh, he allows me to give my input and, and my opinion on it, uh, before he does, he makes any decisions. Cause he knows that, uh, you know, I'm down there with the pitchers in the, uh, in the bullpens and, and, you know, who stacks up better against this team, that team, this team. And, and, uh, he, he's, he's not one of those guys that, uh, just, does what he wants to do and with without our feedback and and he always asks you know what do you think about this what do you think about that and and and, and as an assistant coach that's all you can ask for is just you know a head coach that uh empowers you to to be the best you can be instead of just trying to be uh, you know kind of a part of uh of just that program for that day or that year you know somebody that that, that allows you to grow uh is huge to me um you know and and, and that if i'm if if i'm ever uh in a situation where that that occurs it it, it can be you know it, it can be stifling um just to kind of go through the motions and not and know that there's there's no real growth here uh and, and i'm really fortunate uh not to be in that situation
0: and what would you say coach Etheridge? what's something that a head coach has done to help enrich and grow you as a coach
3: man i was uh I've been real fortunate, um, here at Clinton. I, um, you know, come from a you know smaller private school and I come over here to Clinton and, uh, man, just dove off into all of the technology that you could think of. I mean, here at Clinton, we've had the, it's a, it's a blessing, but we've had the opportunity. We work with K motion and rap Soto and we have blast sensors. We've got all this technology and, um, you know, at first I was worried, you know, diving off into it, like, man, like this, there's no way I'm going to be able to learn just all of this technology. And, you know, throughout the fall, we worked with, you know, K-Motion and and our blast sensors and we had, we had all that. And then I, I really think what helped me the most was that, you know, my head coach really helped me balance the, you know, using analytics, but also teaching in a, you know, however you want to call it, old school, uh, you know, you know, just, you know, person to person contact. And um, I think he's helped me grow a lot in the technology sense of being able to to, you know, read these K motion graphs or, or look at this blast sensor and and relate it to our players in a way that they can understand it. And so, you know, that analytics that is just driving baseball just just day after day now. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, all, all that stuff is, you know, if you're not learning it, then, you know, you're, you're probably going to get left behind. But we still have to, you know, our, our players can't read a K-motion graph and know what they're doing, you know, know what's wrong with their swing. And I think a lot of that, what uh, is my head coach this year, Clinton, has helped me balance that, um, you know, and then kind of piggybacking off of what Coach Whitlock said too. He had his pitching drill stations where, well, we have – You know, what I have experienced is we have these more experienced drill stations, uh, you know, or more efficient, not experienced, more efficient drill stations to where, you know, in a certain cage, we're going to be velo, velo, velo. We're working on that, being able to time it up because, you know, we we see some guys that can throw it uh, day in, day out. And then, you know, we might have a certain cage where we're looking at, you know, we might put our K-Motion vest on and we might be trying to, you know, have that program, implement that program that we're trying to work with or we're trying to get a kid to, to do this in his swing, and you know he has that. He has a station for that, and then we have a different station where you know we're hitting you know little bitty beans, you just like you know, just with the you know with the broomstick and all this other stuff. To where there's just more efficient drill stations to get the most out of your kids in the in a small amount of time, because in the fall you might not you might not get that much time um, throughout the day, and then um, obviously we just have the ability or you know, our head coach, coach Hop, provides so many opportunities for us to to learn from other coaches and to learn from uh, all these other conventions. This year was my first year to go to ABCA. I will definitely be back. It was, you know, it was an amazing experience. He introduced me to Trotsky this, you know, this this past year, and man, that guy's golden. And but he just provides and and you know shows us so many opportunities to you know learn as a coach and grow as a coach and um, and you know really just be very fortunate to work with the technology that's just driving baseball now. And I I feel like, you know, not many people have the opportunity, you know, as assistants to work with that type of, um, to work with that type of technology, but at the same time, staying grounded and knowing that, Hey, this is how we need to, you know, we need to use this technology, but we still need to relate it to our players on a level that they can understand. And I feel like that's helped me grow the most as a coach this year, um, in that sense
0: and how about you coach Adler how has a head coach helped enrich or grow you as a coach
1: man um you know I I started coaching at such a young age I was 20 years old uh, when I got my first assistant game. I was still in college um you know I kind talked about it earlier but you know it, it was such a weird time for me in college um realizing that my baseball playing career was over that I did, wasn't going to be able to play in college while a lot of my friends went to play in college and uh, I just kind of took a chance and sent out a bunch of emails to coaches in the area said hey I'd love to get into coaching and uh, you know I'd be I'd be uh, mistaken if I didn't give props to coach Sanjordi who was at Norman high school at the time eight years ago that took a chance on some 20 year old kid 19 years at the time sent him an email and he just brought me in and sat me down and said, "Here's a job," and um, that relates really, just taking a chance on a young kid that had played, that you know didn't have the college experience to play ball, but was just somebody that loved the game, wanted to get involved. You know that was something that I'll never forget, uh, and I'll be forever indebted to him for just giving me the opportunity at such a young age to get involved. Um, and you know, as we went through that year. I'll never forget, you know, he, our, our varsity team, I was our assistant freshman coach and our varsity team over spring break went to Tulsa um, to play some of the other bigger schools um, up there. And uh, he invited me to come with him uh, along with all of our staff. But at the time I didn't realize, I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. And um, you know, it turns out one of our coach, our varsity pitching coach couldn't go. And uh, so it ended up being, I believe a three vars three, two of the varsity coaches, myself, and and what the JV head coach, um, who was mainly there for hitting, he was our varsity hitting coach as well. And uh, you know, in the middle of that game, um, i never coached a varsity game in my life. He uh, Coach Sanger already gave me the opportunity to, you know, call pitches for an inning at 20 years old. And you know, I developed a relationship with these kids, and but I'd never done that before. And so we kind of like worked through it together, and uh, that was something that. I can't explain why he decided to do that. I don't know. Uh, But uh, the fact that he did that, it just, it gave me that fire back um, for the game that I felt like I was missing, you know, watching all my friends play at all the different levels of college baseball while I was just there and being a student and going to college and missing it. Um, And Coach Sanger already took a chance on me. So that was the biggest thing I learned was that, you know, young guys uh, deserve a chance. And uh, it's something that, I take pride in um, trying to look for when I look for guys to help me in the summer or whenever, if I'm blessed with the opportunity to be a head coach again, that's something that I want to take in as well. Um, The second thing was, you know, becoming the head coach in my position. I talked about that earlier. I learned that from uh, Kyle Onken uh, when I coached for him down for a year at Nevada Community High School, which is a uh, 4A school just east of Dallas. And, uh, you know, he came into a tough spot and we sat down and had that meeting and we talked about becoming the head coach of your position. And, uh, I learned so much from him. I was his catcher's coach and, uh, he was the pitching coach So him and I worked a lot together and, uh, just develop. he was really instrumental in helping me develop my thoughts and my philosophy on pitching, catching, just coaching in general, how assistants should be treated, how I can be a great assistant. So, uh, I'd be, again, mistaken if I didn't talk about him. And then the last one is, you know, my current head coach, Corey Underhill at Bridge Creek High School. Him and I go way back. We've known each other for six years. We coached each other or with each other when I was still in college. But um, the, the biggest thing he did for me was, as an assistant, give me the opportunity to have my own program within our big program. Uh, we're lucky enough at Bridge Creek that we have a junior high baseball program uh, that stands alone. Uh, we have 42 kids in that junior high program. Um, and he, he brought me in last year is my second year at Bridge Creek and when he brought me in last year He told me he said look I want you to help with the high school program I want you to help with our high school recruiting getting our guys exposed to colleges and getting our guys trying to uh, They'll want to go play at the next level And then I want you to be our head junior high baseball coach and uh, junior high was an age that I'd never coached before But he knew at the time That I wanted to be a head coach again And uh, he knew that being able to have that with our junior high program was something that would help me achieve a goal down the line that was still important to me. And the fact that he was able to give me that opportunity and trust me with that, to be able to have my own program within our big program and to trust me with the future of developing guys so that we can try to do things at Bridge Creek that have not been done before ever um, was something that I, I wore heavy and I still wear it heavy and I bear that title and take a lot of pride in that title and, uh so to all the guys that have really poured into me on the field. Um and then my uh, other coach Craig Troxel when I was at Southmore High School, um he's a legend. I wish he was still coaching. Um happy birthday, Coach Troxel, if you hear this down the line. But um he really poured into me off the field. And that was something that I learned so much from guys on the field. But really uh the biggest thing I learned as a young coach was what I needed to be able to do off the field. And when I do have, hopefully have the opportunity to get married and have kids of my own. Um, I know that the talks that Coach Troxell and I had whenever he was able to pull me aside uh, will really prepare me to be able to be not only a great coach on the field, um, but a great husband, a great uh, father, hopefully, uh, and just a great son for my two parents that uh, I can be and still manage the game and manage my players and still have the life that I want to have outside of uh, the field.
0: That wraps it up for the Coaches Roundtable podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. If you would be interested in being part of an episode yourself, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at CoachKrato, K-R-A-T-O. Thank you.